0: This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 110. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, Nolan Arenado and Bryce Carper got a bunch of money. Will Francisco Lindor get his next? The Twins are totally going to win the AL Central. Shane Bieber looks like a breakout candidate. And we learned some interesting things from scouting reports from the Reds from several years ago, thanks to The Ringer. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you
1: doing? I'm good. Somehow I've ended up looking at the statistics of the 1970 St. Louis Cardinals.
0: You know, as we all do, that's you know, where we all end up eventually. Oh, yeah.
1: Joe Torrey, in addition to being not pretty as a younger man, he got better as he got older, like a fine wine. Is he into wine? Or... Anyway, he was really good for a little while there.
0: As a player? Joe Torrey?
1: Yeah. yeah, he won an MVP at one point. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he was better than Bob Gibson that year.
0: Who's going to be this the player like around us, who they're going to be like a manager in several years? Like oh, That guy was an MVP. I can't believe it.
1: That's a very well because that's the thing back then. Like it was, you just kind of became a manager because you didn't make any money as a player. You know that that's the real right. thing is you become a manager now because you didn't make, a quote unquote, lots of money as a player. Like you know, your uh, your Craig's council of the worlds, your whoever the hell the manager of the Diamondbacks is, a man whose name I will never remember, um, Tori Lavulo. Yeah, he did. He play baseball surely he played baseball major league players yeah, yeah okay but yeah eight years and yeah but that, that, yeah, I, I just i don't think there's anyone out there who's like a great player playing right now no that would be like a you know i don't know
0: yeah most of them go into broadcasting now more than just being a head coach i think right. like it's all catchers
1: now and right, mike
0: trout of ruined that like nobody can win one mvp anymore because <laughs> you need to be better than mike trout to win it so
1: Right, exactly. And well, oh, that's the thing. You win one MVP and he comes in second. So that, that's that's game, set, match. But I don't know. I mean, who's the best player out there now who will be a manager in... If people say that, people like Miguel Cabrera or Joey Vada would be a good hitting coach. But they're not going to do that. They've made no, hundreds and so. hundreds of millions of dollars. They have no reason to do would you that. Would Yadier
0: Molina if he just really loves baseball? He seems like the most... I love baseball sort of guy there is.
1: I would say yes. That is the that is probably the pinnacle of uh I don't know, of a player that we can think of as playing right now who may become like a manager at some point, yeah. That 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 sounds like the peak. Yeah. Which isn't, isn't to you know, discredit Yadier Molina. He's a great player and everything, but See now now you've got me looking at a list of current like active war leaders. Curtis Granderson maybe? But like you said, they all do other things now because they made so much money
0: that right? I don't think want to go through the, the rigors of being a head coach afterwards. But maybe we're wrong. Maybe we just don't know yet who's I mean, going to be that guy. David Ortiz, is he's going to make a ton
1: of money on TV.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got too much personality to be a... That's the yeah. other thing, that, too. They all have so much personality right. now. Like, you go on TV or do your own thing after.
1: Okay. So, we just to guys without any personality. So, Mark Teixeira. There we go. Uh, I don't know.
0: He's on... Um, he does the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney okay. a lot now.
1: Is he any good?
0: No, but... <laughs> Right. I mean, he's there. He's just kind of the bland representing the players
1: guy. You know who's a good one? I think Alex Gordon could end up as like a as a, ma- a manager of some kind somewhere. And you know, he's he's right around there with your Yadier Molina in terms of career uh, wins above replacement output. That kind of a player, you know, very good player and a world champion. Not quite a MVP type, but underrated for a while. Had a couple great seasons. That you know, never. I guess, I guess grazed the. The sense of the of the broader kind of baseball knowledge world, I suppose. Yeah, something and like our that.
0: grandkids will wonder who the hell that is <laughs> several years down the road. He's the manager of the Twins or whatever.
1: Um, Brandon so Phillips—that's another player I could think of. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. Johnny Peralta—you know, career thirty-one uh, wins above replacement. Had a couple pretty good years there, but never really a quite a star. Um. Matt so I think we're dipping
0: down. Not to, no offense to those guys, but we're dipping lower right. and lower now. I right, exactly. Yeah, we're out of like the Otter and Melina I guess
1: what I'm looking at, I'm looking at guys who are, like, at this point, it looks like guys who are between, just in terms of this chart, I, I pulled, you know, guys, this is most wins of have ever placed since, um, what, uh, from 2005 to now. So I'm getting guys like Brett Gardner, Russell Martin, you know, guys like that in the 30 to 40 range, I suppose. That makes sense. What amazing. about Jan
0: Gomes? How about that one?
1: Well, he hasn't been worth that much, so he didn't come on my chart. Thank <laughs> you very much.
0: I'm just saying that's like a likable guy you could be. Yeah, man that, that's
1: that would be a good choice right there. Yeah, you yeah. know, David DeJesus in his 21 wins about replacement.
0: So Merritt, um, last week, of course, it happened directly after <laughs> yeah,
1: <it was laughs> we like had a last podcast. Or something was it?
0: Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Nolan Aron- Nolan Arenado was literally the day of. I think it was. I think it was Tuesday, right after we did our podcast. He signed a big extension with the Rockies for eight years, $260 dollars yes. to Also $1 billion. Well,
1: with the elevation, you know, it scales up. Does it?
0: The money of, floats up
1: there? Of, <laughs> a, no, actually, it's worth less there because it's a high cost of living in Denver. But anyway. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> then Bryce that. Harper, of course, had his $13 million, $330 million deal, which is extremely front-loaded front and looks a lot like he was just doing anything he could to get that record deal, which good for him. Do it if you want, but... But that's what we got now. Two big contracts, and then of course for Indians fans, the looming question now is that Francisco Lindor is gonna get something right around there. Probably Nolan Arenado is probably the closer comp, just because he's he would have been the same. I think he's one year younger than Lindor is gonna be when he hits free agency. Um, but Lindor is probably such a better player overall. He's already got as much WAR just about. Um, he has twenty two point eight in five hundred seventy four games. Arenado has twenty five point three in eight seventy six games. So. I don't know, To really, you can really look at Nolan Arenado's massive deal and say that maybe Francisco Lindor is going to get something like this. And I mean, if the Rockies can do it, the Indians probably can do it. Um, they're really similar in terms of their, the evaluations from Forbes last year. They're, they're very similar teams in their market size. They're just pretty much everything. These two teams are like the AL and NL equivalent of each other. So I, I think if, if the Rockies can do it, the Indians surely can, because pretty much any team can afford a bunch of money at this point, we know, so. Do you think we're going to see this? Are the Indians going to give Lindor this this huge contract, hopefully sometime before he leaves? Or is he serious about not focusing on an extension? He's just going to play it out and, good Lord, he'd be a free agent and be way overpriced for the Indians.
1: Well, Aaron Otto got, how much did it end up being? It was, he signed through 200, 260. So he got 267 years starting, it's starting this year, I guess. Yeah, well, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. So he's making 26 this year and then 35 the rest of the way, basically.
0: Yep, and he has an opt-out after three years. Opt-out after three years. So it's basically if the Rockies aren't competing, I, I would assume, he's going to say, I'm out and I'm going to do free agency. But yeah. he seems to love the Rockies, and if they're going to win, then he wants to stay there and win.
1: Um, You know, I don't know. My gut kind of says no, quite honestly, just because I don't think the Indians are going to spend the money. Uh, that's a I, That's... That's like four times the largest deal that they've ever had signed. Which is... <laughs> yeah, it is. It literally is. So, that, I mean, you know, that's that's daunting. And it would have to be a deal that would be signed in the next, what, two years? And I, You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, too. And, like, it's something we don't really think about. But jealousy is a thing that exists among people. And if Lindor goes out there and he gets a deal for... You figure he signed... what? is a 260 million dollar deal or whatever that Arnado got. It would be what 275 probably for Lindor if they were able to sign him uh I guess next year maybe would be it would what would, would be a year that would make sense, right? Cuz that would be one year before he'd be a free agent. There'd be one left one year left on his contract.
0: There'd be two if he does next year cuz he's a free agent after 2021.
1: After okay, so so well, at that point, we're talking about like 290. I mean, and the, the jealousy I'm talking about is between him and obviously Jose Ramirez, who's only making like eight million dollars a year. And <laughs> that I, poor guy, I mean, I, you know, it's yeah, we're, 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 you, you, you don't feel bad for millionaires, but at the same time, he's getting screwed by a hundred millionaire. And then you see his friend and compatriot who he came up with and all this stuff, and is better than in a lot of measures, uh, making way more than him. So, to answer your question, directly, I don't think so. I mean, maybe. The Indians really need to push to sign him now, like offer him $200 million. And I don't think, I just don't think they're going to do that. They're they're too cost centric. And I know you said that the, you know, the the market size and all this stuff is very similar. The Rockies draw really, really well. And they do also have kind of a a bonus of kind of a geographical area. I just in my head i'm thinking this where, where they kind of have a large a larger shot at a larger fan base and the Indians are kind of hemmed in by the tigers to the west uh the reds once they get good again the pirates are there too but there's there's just lots of things going on there in addition to a lot of other things drawing attention whereas the Rockies the next closest team to them i guess is the diamondbacks and like and then if you go the other way the royals so they have an opportunity to take take control of a very large area and also they again they draw very very well if only because it's a nice inexpensive place to go and spend a nice summer night in denver um i know you could say that about cleveland ohio too and progressive field but i just don't think it's fair to compare denver colorado to cleveland ohio in at any point in time because it's
0: well i just i just don't want <laughs> wow Merritt. so just this just no. in Merritt rolfing have hates you cleveland ohio Denver,
1: man it's really nice <laughs> that whole, that whole area is i have totally it nice. but i know
0: what you're talking about it um, sounds really nice
1: and again there's just there's more money there and stuff like that too so they, they definitely have an opportunity to spend more money and i think that's the crux of the whole thing quite honestly the indians yes they can go and blow the the Dolan's entire fortune which i'm all for but they're not going to do that and they just have such restrictions that Unless they can sign Lindor to, you know, a tear up the contract and buy out his free agency years with $20 million a year and get him for $225 million the next eight years or whatever it is, including this year and next. Uh, and the next one. I, well, I guess, what, so he has we, he, they have two more years with him? Yeah. So this year, so they have three more years, this is his first arbitration year. So, um if they could tear all that up, buy it up for twenty million dollars a year, and then give him thirty for another five or something like that, what does that add up to? That's two hundred and ten million dollars. That's a deal. I, um, I still don't
0: even think so. it takes that. That's, that, that, that's <laughs> cool. You
1: know? If they could pull that off, you know he's he's worth it. He's worth it ten times out of ten, and yeah. um, you'd have him through the his age. One, two, three, uh, up to thirty, and then you give a fuck it. Give him a you know, I mean give him an opt out after year four, so you at least get one free agent year or something like that, you know what I mean? So I don't know, that's a good contract, I think. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know if he takes that at this point. I think he waits to get right, like and the that's massive one because he's gonna be 10 10 and... year.
1: Um yeah. he's gonna get seventeen million dollars next year <laughs> or whatever, and then he's gonna get twenty four or whatever, and then the Indians need to trade him. I mean, it, it's just like what Bauer has said about how this is his last year in an in Indian's uniform. It just, it doesn't make any fine. I mean, if the Indians are going to act as financially restricted as they are, as they did all this year, and just try and, you know, piece it together or whatever, or just make the playoffs and, and say, screw it, whatever. I don't know, however they're rationalizing it. It doesn't make any sense for them to hold on to Lindor after next year, yeah. because the money's going to be too high. The, 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 the amount yeah. that they can get back for him would be astronomical even for just a one-year rental so i don't know i mean if they can't do it in the next year or two they, they they already i think missed the boat personally when he didn't take that one deal
0: man can you imagine if they were just a couple million off there even if it was like 20 million away like if he would have taken it for seven years 120 million and they said no you know, he's
1: at 140 if he said seven years look real 150 million dollars <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah no <laughs> fire everybody like damn, that's a bad look jesus after the 2017 what that, that was after 2017 right that was in 2016 too so he, he hadn't 16. even That was after 2016 the gas really yet
0: jesus christ no that was before his like eight war season that's just oh, when he God. when he only went to the world series that was what that was and i think he's playing it really well from a pr perspective too like taking the 10 million in his first year yeah. and saying no, look how I much mean, money that is of course i'll take it like he's doing a really good job of not making himself look green, oh, but damn. you know oh, well, he they, knows how again, much these guys really have worse, agents. So. They're
1: not stupid; like they right. they know. Uh, Ramirez was, I mean, and we've I think we've talked about this before. Like Lindor is a top prospect, first round pick, all this stuff. He was number one. Everything everyone talked about him constantly, in the run up to his his debut. Th- that only serves to help him and you know build a his ego and B, his market. Someone like Ramirez had none of that. He is a man who built himself. He he saw his opportunity to get, you know, again, life-changing money, and he took it, and he's better off for it, and the Indians are better off for it too, obviously. But, you know, I mean, if he had waited a year, Jesus Christ. The Indians, <laughs> the Indians really hit it right there. <laughs> that, that, that one is mind-blowing. They haven't been t- until he's 30 years old for a combined – 20 million dollars or something like that no more than that but you know jesus christ
0: and bryce harper also just sold like a shitload of you know of jerseys i think it's the most ever for any sport at any athlete in yeah, any I sport saw that
1: headline i'm like what is that i didn't read the head
0: of the article I was like, what the hell does that even mean <laughs> like he just sold that many jerseys and they sold a bunch of tickets it's ridiculous I, w- I wonder like so teams don't get that when they sign an extension really i can't imagine any more Arenado jerseys or i'm sure more but not that kind of inflection of Arenado jerseys right. went out. They've right. already just expected him to be there. So that's kind of an interesting difference for a team between choosing to extend a guy or bringing a big name free agent. I guess that's just the the benefit you pay for paying a, a, quite a bit more for a free agent besides extending a guy when he's still on your team.
1: It really does open up the, a window too for um, hipsters uh, in <laughs> Philadelphia because they can get someone who isn't Bryce Harper. They could get a player like, I don't know, well, they could just start wearing their old Carlos Santana. <laughs> Uh, baby blue one. I've always loved wear, Scott uh, King, be... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you're sick uh, Oduble Herrera jersey. <laughs> or you know, I mean, obviously, you can go with Reese Hoskins if you want, but I don't know. I mean, me, I'd go with uh, one of the one of those cool pitchers that I like. Like, uh, I mean, Velasquez is an obvious one, but who's that one pitcher with a nice curveball that I really like? Aaron Nola? No, the other one. Uh, he didn't pitch very much last year because he was injured. Oh, Jared Eikhoff. That's who it was. I was a big fan of his when he was younger, when he was like a rookie. He had a big-time rookie season and a very nice second season, so, and he fell off the table. I think he got time with John surgery. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He has carpal tunnel syndrome and experience of recurring symptoms. So, so you're just going to
0: walk down Harper. Philadelphia wearing your Eikhoff jersey and snubbing your nose at Bryce Harper fans?
1: <laughs> oh, Harper, I right? got on the bandwagon, buddy. I was here when was, was was twirling curveballs up there. That oh, was a year ago. Yeah, whatever. We didn't need Get no Harper.
0: We were gonna win the World Series
1: anyway. Uh, I guess you could always just wear a Jim Tomy jersey.
0: I was looking at that, like the the Phillies fans are saying. This compares the the Jim Tomy. It's really weird seeing people be excited about Jim Tomy signing somewhere else because I'm so
1: used to <laughs>
0: Indians fans being so upset at Tomy signing elsewhere.
1: So I know. Well, he was. You know, he's a good player, and people like him. Remember when he when he got a statue and then signed somewhere else? <laughs> that was great. But everybody always loves that guy. I'll never forget that. And then it's because nice he's 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 a big happy boy you know and that was a hall of famer so now the hall of fame is heavy there so there you go
0: <laughs> so man i have some bad news for you um i hate to break it to you but
1: uh oh i don't <laughs> listen to bad news so but the uh, <laughs> nope. the twins they're
0: gonna win the al central in 2019 they're the breakout I mean, yeah, team that's what joe Sheehan said that's what john Morosi has said so i mean it's gonna happen um <laughs> yeah i don't know if you saw this but um so baseball america joe Sheehan wrote it for that and then john Morosi, i guess went on mlb network with mostly the same. They got to listen to it. I didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to, but I'm, I'm assuming it's mostly the same talking points, but they're both talking, basically talking about the, the combination of the upside of Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, um, maybe Jorge Polanco, but anyway, they have, they have a lot of upside going on there. I've always been a big Byron Buxton fan. If he would stop getting injured and just could just do it over a whole season, even though it was on the twins, I've always loved speedy center fielders and he's the epitome of it. Um, but combine that with the fact that they have Nelson Cruz now and they're two years removed from a wild card game. They, they seem like a team who could win. We thought last year they'd be a lot better. And I actually wrote earlier in the offseason that I want the Twins to be better just to, to to quote Terry Francona to put a rocket in the Indians' ass, like Ernie Clement when he comes in spring training. Um, but it just seemed like they could do with, with somebody in the AL Central giving them some challenges. And it would make the regular season way more watchable for us just in general to not be blowing away the competition. But I still don't know if it's quite true. Max Kepler, maybe he'll be okay. Um, but everybody seems to skim over just how bad the rotation is going to be outside of Jose Barrios. I know.
1: I was, I was just going to say they're I mean, Kyle Gibson is fine. I guess. I don't know about being a number two. I didn't really hate Michael <laughs> Pineda of all people. Like, whoa, I that's forgot their number four pitcher in case
0: you want to remember that the Indians but, is
1: Mike Clevenger. Like that's the thing there. They're, they have him. They have Odorizzi, Jake Odorizzi, who's who had some good years down in Tampa Bay. I there, there's no, nothing wrong there. It's just he hasn't been good in two years. Also, he wasn't very good for the Twins in uh, 2018. What 164 innings he was fine. You know, 134 whip, 4.49 ERA. But again, they, yeah, their rotation just isn't there. And then you look at the fact that, to be quite honest with you, I I just, just I need to confirm this, but okay, so he bats right. Um, so do you remember when the Indians really started on their ascent and then they just started just beating the hell out of the Tigers constantly and consistently? And a large part of that was because it was just tons and tons and tons of right on right matchups. Right? Like it's never it's never as big of a problem for a righty, it seems like to hit a righty as it is for a lefty to hit a lefty pitcher. But it still is definitely you know, the the same side splits is always a, is usually a worse thing. And it just looks to me, lineup wise, like the Twins are just a crappier version of that team, that Tigers team. They're just a ton of you know right hand. Their their biggest supposed bats are all right handed, and the yes. Indians still have a great right handed <laughs> rotation. Like all it might be
0: mostly the same right handed rotation.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, the only things that are different is Bauer is now no longer number four. He may be the best pitcher in the rotation. Um. Carrasco is is, I mean Clevenger is better Uh, Bieber is not Josh Tomlin (laughs) and then they still have a guy who somehow is the odds on favorite to win the Cy Young in the AL this year which I thought was crazy that uh Corey Kluber has the best odds in in Vegas to win the Cy Young this year but uh that's what they're gonna have to face so the Indians aren't going to score a ton of runs this year especially early on so there's that's definitely going to help narrow the gap a little bit but yeah, no, that rotation is trash, and then the bullpen is not bad yet. But and I don't want to throw the Twins and just say they're going to be garbage. They're going to be a good team. They're well run. They they've made a lot of changes that I think are going to pay dividends in the long run, and they're definitely making changes to be to get into the current age of you know baseball judgment and things like that. But I just I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised honestly if they wanted to, if they won the AL Central at all if Buxton figures it out if Sano figures it out. Um, if Cruz is still good, even at age, what is he like thirty nine now at this point? Yeah, and he's uh, still projected to be like
0: I think it's one hundred and twenty something WRC plus. He's still going to be really good, which is
1: crazy. oh yeah, no, I guess he, he's he's is, he is crazy. Every time I watch him play, I'm like, why couldn't why couldn't Edwin Encarnacion be doing this? Like that, that that's one of the reasons they had to get rid of Ed, get rid of Edwin because he just wasn't Edwin anymore. He just was a, a slightly above average bat who couldn't do literally anything else. So that's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Rosario's going to hit a billion home runs against the Indians. so That's fun. But aside from that, they, they have a lot of the upside thing is, is fun and the hope thing is fun. It does need to be realized, though.
0: Yeah. So and I don't the, know. We'll, the,
1: see, we'll, we'll see how real like Willen's Estudio is and whether cru, Cruz is old and Buxton figures it out. And the rotation, really, that after the top two, even it, it falls into a pit that there is no coming back from. So we'll and to be fair to know. Joe
0: Cian, and um, I'm sure. John Morosi, that they're looking for sleeper teams. They're not like saying the,
1: oh, definitely the Twins not. are going to be better than the yeah. Indians.
0: But it reminds me a lot of, we talked about them last week, the 2015 Indians, where it's all based on upside and one or two potentially super good players who might be there. So one of the Indians' pitchers in the rotation who will hopefully – Nope, he's on the Brewers now. This will be shutting
1: that Josh Tomlin was a league average pitcher, as a matter of fact, was 2015. Very interesting. Yep, actually, that was the last year, the only year he was a league average pitcher. No, he, he did it twice. Never mind. Anyway, you're moving on. You're on a roll, man. Hey, you got to look around for things, Matt. Use your eyes to see, as they say. <laughs> But yeah, it was yeah he got basically got his
0: two year contract off of like one and a half years, but it, it seemed like a good deal at the time because remember he was he's a decent number five pitcher for a while.
1: Oh, no, yeah. exactly. He was fine. I mean, you didn't really care as long as the rest of them were borderline Cy Young candidates. It's just it it really went sideways towards the end there. So
0: yeah, but the guy who replaced him last year, uh, Shane Bieber, really good at pitching. Um, turns good. out he can throw the ball a lot. He can throw a lot of strikes. We know that from last year. Uh, baseball Prospectus called him one of their potential breakout pitchers citing his uh his high bat pip last year for as a result of his ERA which was over 4 and he's got a great mix of pitches but as you talked about in your post earlier or last week I think it was he uses his fastball a lot when he gets in the favorable counts and sort of lets batters back in so that's that's one thing he's probably going to fix this year and then at that point I mean he's another really good pitcher mid rotation guy that's actually the Indians' number 5 pitcher for their potential breakout for Shane Bieber
1: he um actually he has two fastballs technically. It's just uh, when if you will read that article I read baseball uh, I didn't savant. Read it. Well, you know uh, <laughs> if the theoretical listener were to read that, uh, the the um baseball savant compiles all fastballs when they when they show the thing because I think he has a sinker as well and they just didn't pick up on it. Um, one of the, I don't he's he's got it's a two seamer maybe I don't know I, I don't remember offhand but uh no i know it, he his real problem is he just throws too many fastballs at all when you don't have an electric one and he doesn't he just locates it well that's just that's just not good enough so he just needs to throw i don't know i got talked about a change up more he only threw it 4% of the time last year's curveball he showed a disgusting
0: did. change up today i don't know if you saw that but
1: i don't know which working against against hosmer against the padres i think it was hosmer specifically yeah Yeah, his second at bat against Hosmer, he struck him out on three pitches, and I think he went change-up, 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 quite honestly. Because he had one that kind of ran away from him, one that kind of took a – it might have been a curveball. He might have gone uh, change-up fastball or change-up, curveball, change-up. Because he had one that kind of ran away from him, one that kind of just had a nice little bite, and another one that uh, ran away again. He just made Hosmer look the fool. And that's what – you. and and just to be quite honest, that's what he needs to do is just learn a better change-up and – because yeah, at some point, you
0: just become Josh Tomlin. If you start losing anything, you're just always in the zone. Then you're going to become the guy who gives up a million home right. runs with everything right. in the zone.
1: Right, exactly. You're a pitcher from the 1980s, and that's just, that just doesn't play anymore. So by throwing less, like, you can make a living off tunneling and things like that, and he definitely does, just because he does have all that stuff. And I mentioned this in my piece last week. Or at least I was trying to get at this point that even though he doesn't have the wipeout slider, he does have the – it moves enough, and it's – just the right velocity where it can catch a guy off, you know, front on his front foot, and he can swing and miss. And that's I think why he had such a high swing strike rate on the slider. Uh, he tunnels it well with his fastball, and by having a changeup, he—I don't know—he it would work. I think even better, and if anything, make the slider work better and make it more valuable against left-handed hitters too. So,
0: now, I know you've looked a lot at, at changeups for for Bieber, for Carrasco, for Bauer. I mean, is this a thing you think is a thing going on that? The pitchers are are picking up changeup specifically because of how hitters are approaching.
1: I mean, it's something I've thought about for a long time. It is, well, I mean, the, the changeup is it's it's a it's a it's a great you need a you need a third pitch, and if you already have a breaking ball, and my thought process is you need an off speed pitch. And the the other value of the changeup is it's good against opposite handed hitters. So if you already have a breaking pitch and a fastball, the breaking pitch is almost always going to break away from the same sided um, hitter as you are you like know, the curveball whether it breaks down it's still going to have a bit of a run away too the changeup just works against the opposite guys because generally a, a change up, it's more so a circle change but you know a typical change will, will have a bit of a arm side fade to it so it'll give you a little bit of a chance to miss some bets that way too it's, it's just it's about creating deception i guess is what i always think about and um I mean, even in this world, in the era of power and, you know, more power and more and more power, you you still need to be able to deceive. It's not just 100-mile-an-hour fastballs that makes Aroles Chapman so great. That wipeout slider also helps, and catching guys unawares. I remember remember last year I wrote that piece about um maybe a year, year and a half ago now, something like that. I don't know, a while back I wrote a piece about Andrew Miller and about how his pitching splits on his slider and his fastball were like 50-50. And it was basically just – like it was just you're going just straight up game theory the entire time you're 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 damned if, you do damned if you've done what you have to if if he throws this now then what's he gonna throw next well obviously he's gonna throw the fastball next. but what if he's so it it creates a sense of indecision so and that i think is for someone who doesn't have a a killer fastball like Bieber, he needs to be able to create the indecision more and by having a third pitch and that being a changeup, i think it tunnels better than like a than a big looping curveball just because it i don't know it's it's moving at a similar velocity. It seems like just because of the arm speed, even if it's coming in at five to ten miles an hour slower, that's all I think. About. I don't know. The changeup was in vogue like four years ago, I, and obviously the, the 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 Rays still really focus on it a lot. If you're a Rays pitcher, you still need to have a good changeup. And yeah, it uh, feels like
0: it's coming back in general. Just the Indians are using it a lot more too, because Bauer is trying to learn it. So, well,
1: and he just wants to have the, the the peak pitch of every single thing too. So I think he's a bit of an outlier, but it's just. I mean, honestly, we've seen uh, Kluber get by with without a changeup for the most part. He doesn't really throw any. He throws a, what, uh He's got a four seam, a, a sinker, a cutter, and his, his slurve.
0: So over at the ringer. Somebody was nice enough to dump off a bunch of scouting reports for the Reds, which, before we even get into all this, like, who the hell did that? I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, the article just starts, we got these. Fun we got several now. years
0: of hundreds of scouting reports from like, just some former office. front office
1: office Legally? Part. Did they know about this? <laughs> did he just have it lying around? He's like, oh, I forgot about these. Oh, I have a thumb drive chock full of these.
0: Well, for anybody who doesn't know, the Ringer got, um, they're going to do a three-part series of just analyzing... Just hundreds of, I think it was either hundreds or in the hundreds. It was dozens. We can go with dozens mm-hmm. of scouting reports from the early, the late 90s and the early 2000s. Um, there was a lot of really good stuff. And even just this first part, um, a couple of things that stuck out to me were on, you know, the 2080 scale they use. Everything sort of just gets lumped in the middle because everybody's afraid to.
1: Yeah, it's barf. I hate it. Right
0: <laughs> to call somebody too good or too bad, which by the way is always my problem with like movie and video game reviews. It's always if it's below an eight, it's considered bad. So what's the point of having everything down there? So it's sort of the same thing with the twenty eighty scale as it turns out, which I don't think is a surprise to many people. Um, the most important thing ended up usually being like the number of reports for a player because it showed that a team was really interested in that player, and they they oftentimes ended up being good because the team was so focused. It didn't matter what the the report said, just the fact that they were following that guy so much, because the reports were oftentimes just so bad. The only thing that was really accurate was speed. They only used a 2080 scale because they used a the mm-hmm. stopwatch. It was really easy to tell that this guy is fast. And then, of course, my favorite thing from the whole the whole article is about Joey Votto. That's somebody's scouting report on him. It was, quote, To date, he has been way out of his element, not ready for pro ball. <laughs> Later on, he said he has a long, slow uppercut swing, Different attitude, probably the result of Canadian background. And he concluded, not mm-hmm. a major league prospect, express love for the game in pre-Jeff conversation. He'll need it. <laughs> That's Joey Votto, by the way, one of the best patient hitters in all of baseball.
1: Listen, you can't trust Canadians. That's what you need to learn <laughs> about this first. Uh, Jason Bay, can't trust him. Uh, who are some other Canadian players? Joey Votto. Wait, no, wait do that one. I already said that one. There's some pitcher who's good, who's a Canadian guy. James Paxton. James Paxton, that's the one. Big Maple, yeah.
0: <laughs> but still, like we were saying before the show, like it may, I guess it makes sense because because walks don't show up very well in a scouting report. That also explains why for so long baseball missed out on, on base percentage kind of stuff.
1: Oh wait, Matt, it's what cause... about this? In that in September of '93, one Red Scout called Charlie Hayes has a lot of ability but poor makeup. Refuses to play hard or work hard. Yet in August 1998, a third Scout who saw Hayes said six foot two thirty bundle of joy great attitude and makeup loves to play the game i love scouts and they're my favorite <laughs> and i want that job because you can literally do anything it seems like it but as long as you hit on a player every like i'll even say two years not even that if you hit like on a on a generational player you're good for 20 years if you're the guy who found albert pujols or something like that or like i don't know who the scouts who found jose yeah whoever that is like He's He's good. good. He is fine now. He's just living large. I don't know. He's no, he's no Jose Ramirez. He says, he looks at, I don't know. uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero jr.
0: And then Keith law was saying like the exact opposite is the reason they never use the upper end of the scale. Because Mm -hmm. if you do that and the guy doesn't pan out, then you look like an idiot. So there's no reason to go out on a limb. So everybody just sticks around in the 55, 65 range so that nobody gets fired or called out on a bad,
1: Prediction. Which it's like which is crazy because like I, I think i think that's as much a uh kind of a statement on not on, just on the scouts lack of willingness to go out on a limb as it is the front office's lack of will- willingness to see any nuance in that you know like if i say a guy has 80 power that doesn't mean i think he's gonna hit 87 home runs a day he just hit the ball really hard when i saw him like yeah the like the scouts don't go and watch a player for you know a all they don't follow one player all season they travel all over the place they they might hang around for you know uh like I remember when I was when I was living in Lexington Kentucky and I, I'd i go to a lot of uh legends games and there'd always be scouts there And I never saw the same ones all the time but I saw a lot of the same faces a lot of different times so they stay in similar routes and stuff but like they'll go then they'll be there for like a series or something like that and like that's what you draw your uh your entire judgment off of which is Silly, because I remember I think it was last year, and there was someone who was writing an article. I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was at Fangraphs, but like, basically, what he was saying was like, if you if you looked at Mike at Mike Trout's numbers from the beginning of twenty eighteen, the first ten games of the season. Let me tell you what he hit, Matt. As soon as I get there, and and I'm this is guess an, it's real bad. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, first ten games, he was hitting. 220, 319, 512. So if you just saw this this guy, random guy, and I didn't didn't see the no name on the back of his jersey, right? He hits three home runs, so you give him big power. A couple of doubles, um, six walks, but he struck out nine times. So he's he swing happy. He's got a decent eye, and he got a lot of power. But I mean, outside of that, like what do you see? You know, I don't know. I'm, obviously, I'm just scouting out of, out of a box score here. But that's the thing too. Like there's no judgment to be drawn from that because you're just only see these guys for a few games. So I don't know. I, I just, I, I think again, it's kind of a judgment against the, the lack of nuance. These guys are seeing and, and, understanding that these scouts are good at what they do, but they can't see everything this guy's doing all the time. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Just something yeah, off of my head.
0: I mean, you see one player and they even said like, they never cross-checked their players enough. So one scout who would just sort of ignore another one, they would just never look at that guy. That's how so many players fell through the cracks because They just couldn't cover every single person, which is, Mm -hmm. it makes sense because only so many people, but I have a free idea for anybody out there. You can make like something where you put in a player's stats for the day, like Mike Trouts or whatever. And then it just dumps out like a scouting report for how that player is based on those one day. (laughs) So you can get a glimpse of how weird it is to, to scout based on one, one single game of a player who plays hundreds over the course of a few years.
1: Hey Matt, what do you think last year what what do you think was the latest date that uh Mike Trout's on-base percentage wasn't above 400? What was opening day? Uh the 29th of March? March 30th? Uh no, actually he had on-base percentage of one. 100. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> it. He got it, it it got as high as 400 on april 18th and fell back down to 382 and hit 398 on april 20th and then did not fall below, below 400 the rest of the, the year. year he is ridiculous 420 anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> he needs to not be stuck on the angels first of all
1: <laughs> just
0: give him one playoff run and then baseball is set for a good long while I
1: think let that guy that
0: shine in the world series once
1: i'm gonna see how many times let's see it Got above for good on the April seventeenth in twenty seventeen. In twenty sixteen, it got above four hundred. Oh, a bit of a late one for him here. Actually, he's all the way into May. What did he garbage! I don't think he had. Oh, no, never mind. There we go. Oh, good. Good lord. <laughs> His on base percentage was above four hundred as of May. May eighteenth. Took him an extra month. Bit of a slow start for him that year, I guess. Sorry, Wasn't I it a thing the thing for a little but while that he I... started
0: slow and then always blew up eventually?
1: Yeah, here's one where it, it got. But above then it was big... was it
0: last year where he was injured when he had the extremely good start and then it derailed everything a bit. Uh,
1: that was in I 2017. So. God, all these years run together. Um, <laughs> in 2015, his on base percentage on base percentage got above 400 on April 10th, the fourth game of the season, and did not did not fall below the rest of the year. Oh, never mind. There we go. It fell back below. Little... Oh no, we got bad oh no
0: oh no oh and then, then just think if we if there was only scouting reports like like you said you know? this who knows if he would even have i'm not sure he would have made it because obviously
1: talent plays especially these days with like um you know twitter in general and there's that flat ground app now have you seen that on twitter yeah, that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool i mean i, I don't know how you do that with because that's the thing dude with pitching it's so obvious the guy throws 100 miles an hour yeah we should probably give him a look Hmm. But I mean, it's still it's, hard it, to
0: find those guys. Probably if they're right, but well, well, that's the thing. Some Look, kid that, in Kentucky, so
1: like that at least gives people an, an opportunity. Hitting is so much harder. Like you know, that guy's judgment of Joey Votto. Maybe it was fair. Maybe he just looked like shit for a couple games. Um, but it's, it's just an it's, angry it's,
0: Canadian who didn't have just, the right attitude. Yeah,
1: he's just a grumpy Canadian who couldn't get the good maple <laughs> syrup wherever he was playing. So I don't know. Maybe it's just knowing. I mean, it, it, especially hitting is such a grind and, and the value of Joey Votto is in the long run. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to fault the guy. He was kind of right in a way, in a stupid way, but still, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I like the idea that um, if, he ga- if he gained patience, Vladimir Guerrero would become a good hitter. And he did not, and he became a good hitter anyway. (laughs) I think he turned out all right. He was okay. Yeah, he he, he, he turned out okay. You know, Jeff Bagwell, like this one, non-roster player, wears contact lenses, can't play third base, but it looks like he can play third
0: or first. (laughs) And there's even... I mean, some of the stuff is all like lightheartedly weird and fun, but they also get to the point that a lot of it is like racial prejudice on the on the part of scouts.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, how much you know for the first fifty years of baseball, if you're Cuban, you're you're either a banjo hitting center, uh, a banjo hitting middle infielder, or, or a pitcher who throws or a lefty who throws curveballs, and that's it. That's all that comes out of Cuba. Like, if you're not that, then you're. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know how people would judge that. Then you know what I mean? Like, if if suddenly a, a guy from Avraldus Chapman came out of nowhere. If that happened, I don't know. I think someone's head would explode if they saw that in 1965. <laughs> or Yonis Cespedes. If, that, if he came out of Cuba back then, he would have, I don't know, again, someone's head would have exploded. He
0: would have just probably scouted as like overly aggressive at the plate and, and all this stuff that's not true just because he's he's
1: just a not-white athlete, so you're not allowed to be any of that. Too flashy in the outfield. I mean, he is really yeah. flashy in the outfield. know. I, I miss me some Yonis Cespedes.
0: <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> There were even comments about like having too many earrings and necklaces and
1: yeah.
0: like that stuff. That's, that's a, the scouts getting kind of not being good at their job. It's all
1: bull honky from a bunch of honkies. <laughs> uh, anyway.
0: <laughs> all right, Merritt. Every Monday, we ask on Facebook and Twitter for all your guys' questions that we're going to answer on the podcast. This week, we've got a few good ones. The first one comes from Ghost in the Shell. He asks, is it weird that the Indians front office has been one step ahead this offseason? Is it weird that I think the Indians front office has been one step ahead this offseason? Prioritizing low-risk, high-risk, reward moves and acquiring multiple players that have a history of playing competent defense and high walk rates on base percentage. I don't think that's weird at all. I think that's what they've been doing.
1: Wait, did he that's, say that they've been prioritizing high, low-risk, high-reward? Yeah, that's, that's all they have. Low-risk, the, the, high-reward is the best possible option. Right.
0: <laughs> He's saying it, it's... No, I guess you're right. I, I think he's saying that he doesn't feel like other teams do that. Like other teams are just trying to get Bryce Harper. Right. While the oh Indians God, are these, focused on these guys.
1: I've got these all star caliber players. It's great. I don't, know what, I, don't, I don't know what's going on here.
0: But I don't think it's weird at all. That's, that's how they've built this team. That's how they're going to keep oh, doing it, I think. It 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 translates to Facebook commentaries as dumpster diving, but that's called building your team a smart way and sustainable way when you're the Indians. I,
1: I, I think it's a more positive way of that article I wrote last week about how they're kind of they're rebuilding while being division winners at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So you get uh,
0: well like you said like my favorite part was seeing that you still get to watch the fun prospects come up while your team is also winning. It's yeah, like the best, also, yeah, world. yeah.
1: We we're dominating but at the same time like, oh, this guy could be very like yeah today I was I, I tried to watch a few Jake Bowers's uh very irritating name to pluralize. Uh I'm already sick of it. But uh I've tried to watch it a couple of those out at bats. Unfortunately, it was against the lefty, and he looked terrible. But you know, these are the things that you get said about because Jake Bowers could be very good, or maybe he'll be bad. Like there's still a lot of potential oozing around the outfield. Maybe one of these guys will figure it out finally. For for the life of me, I don't know why I haven't given up on Tyler Naquin yet. But you know, um. But back to this guy's question, I need to read it again.
0: What was it again? <laughs> it's, it's 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 an easy one. I think it, he thinks is it weird to think that the Indians have been proactive. And not and, and getting the kind of guys they have been for the last few years, like the Mike Napoli's, Rajai Davis, the low risk, high reward, minor league signing kind of guys. I don't think it's new and I don't think it's really surprising all that much.
1: No, I mean it's it when you have the core it's just the the, the issue now is the core isn't quite as strong as it was. When you had at least three all-star caliber hitters as they did last year and the year before, if not four, you could plug these pieces in around the edges. It's just Maybe it would make more sense to go a bit more high risk, high reward. You know what I mean? I mean, in in this case, they're doing it in a different way. Where I I think the floor for someone like Jake Bowers or uh, even like someone like Bradley Zimmer, like, and that's, that's something that, what, what people talked about with Bradley Zimmer when he was just a prospect. Like even at his worst, he's going to be at least a valuable player. Uh, Jordan Luplo, I don't know. I mean, he's shown flashes of things in AAA and then also shown flashes of being a quad A hitter. So. I don't know. It's um, they've given themselves a higher floor than you than you could honestly hope think that they were going to be able to pull off, considering who they let walk. So I don't know. Like Perez is a good catcher. I don't care what anyone says. Santana's back, and I think will be I think he'll be he'll be an above average hitter. But then yeah, you have guys like Bowers and Naquin and Mark Martin Martin. Ugh.
0: Yeah, I'm really getting really optimistic about this team now. I don't know if it's the magic of spring being back. Oh, but... oh
1: without a doubt, buddy. Don't worry. It's, it's happening. <laughs> why, am I I so, mean, why am
0: I feeling so optimistic about the team now? It's really It's weird. exciting.
1: Adam Simber going to learn how to throw a slider. And uh, <laughs> John Edwards is going to be a real human being. It's going to be fantastic. Mm. <laughs> um, so at Michael
0: Incrot, in among many questions that he asked. So thank you, Mitchell. Or Mitchell. Yeah, I said Michael. It's Mitchell. Mitchell. Um, one of them. <laughs> my Mitchell. favorite one was if you had to choose one player to drive across country with, who would it be? I thought about this way too much. Not going to lie. Most of my planning for the podcast was this question. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is like Trevor Bauer or Mike Clavin. You talk to the really interesting guys about baseball, but think about that. I don't want to ride cross country with an intense guy like Trevor Bauer you're going to get into some political stuff you don't want to talk about with him. And then Mike Clevenger, yeah, I think. you have to
1: leave him somewhere in Oklahoma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> get out of the car. <laughs> Either one of them are just like too intensive baseball guys. And they probably don't want to talk about baseball the whole time anyway. Clevenger so might be, I be fine with,
1: but I don't, I don't. I just don't know if we'd get along that well. Who? I don't know. Clevenger.
0: Oh, yeah. I think he'd be like just too intense.
1: You think? Just yeah, as a I person,
0: never... I think. Like my answer is Adam Plutko. Because <laughs> he seems kind of just like a, a weird guy. He's He's a dad now. We could talk about kids and pets and stuff, so. He's like a really normal normal guy to talk to, I think.
1: Hmm. I think the obvious answer is Cody Anderson. And the choir Trucks.
0: <laughs> trucks and sweating on the farm. You'd have to have the AC on all the time when you're riding with him.
1: Like, it's Cody, it's 60
0: day. degrees in here. What are you doing? Dude, it's November. What's going
1: on here? Ooh, it's hot one today. It's why are you wet? <laughs> it's the podcast type. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let me write that down before i forget anyway why are you wet there we go episode 110 thank you
1: um Cody interesting seems interesting i, seems I, interesting. I, I think Cody would be fun you know i mean other than that kid might be neat he seems like a fun guy i don't
0: know Kipnis driving across the country
1: fun. driving across the country sucks with anyone so I, I, i'd i almost like to be someone who i just wouldn't talk to anyway i think this would... would have
0: been fun for me like seven years ago
1: yeah you're probably right but now
0: he's like too much of a kid and i'm i have kids now
1: No, I do not. I have a cat and (laughs) might get a second one, so I'm fine, there.
0: He'd be fun to... I'd rather watch a podcast of two people driving cost country than actually drive cost country with somebody. Maybe Dan Otero,
1: so again, I could leave him somewhere in (laughs) (laughs) Nebraska.
0: Wait, I got to look up... I'm not messing up Nick's name again. Because last week, when I tried several times and failed, he was nice enough to the It's pronounced Goody. Principles. It's not
1: that hard, dude. No, no. Nick
0: Goody. Jeez. <laughs> hold on. Please hold. I'm going to find it.
1: Kluber would be a little bit boring. Carrasco, nah. I don't know. Carrasco might be fun because he seems to be excited about being an American. Be a lot, a lot oh, nice Carrasco season.
0: would be fun. He's He'd be I, really could, I
1: could bring a copy of Roadside America. We could see all the crazy shit across America. <laughs>
0: I changed my answer to Crasco. He doesn't seem like he'd be too intense. He seems like he'd just be really fun and laid
1: back. I don't know if Clevenger's – maybe he's the kind of guy who's intense on the mound and then not off the mound.
0: Well, no, I don't mean like intense like like in a mean, aggressive way. Just that he's like passionate about everything, I think. Too into
1: basic. Hey, cool it, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you still wet? (laughs) Where's Cody Anderson when I need him? (laughs) So our next
0: question. From here we go at Nick. You have to recondition the leather. This is ridiculous. <laughs> From <laughs> at Nick Yuskevich, he wants to know: We need more Mario sound effects at Indians games. Besides the coin, when the Indians score a run, what music or sound effects should they add? The tunnel music during mountain visits. Bowser roaring when Toze steals a base since he uses him in Mario Kart. This is a fantastic question. Um, my main one is to use Music Park for Mario Kart Eight, like as you're rounding the bases. Because the way that track works is when you hit the the keys on the piano, it plays the music. So if you're going slow, it'll play it slower. So like watching Carlos Santana around the bases, it's a slow piano, and then like Lindor is zooming around the bases, it's really fast. Bradley Zimmer would just be ripping that piano to shreds. That'd be fun, I think. That or a thwomp. You gotta have a thwomp.
1: Well, yeah, I, that's about the only oh. thing I hit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, have I don't know which one to, of to is go worse. for this one because I didn't play a lot of Mario. You're
0: <laughs> <I'm> a loser. <laughs> I mean, there's also a peach yelling, take that, or Donkey Kong's screams would be good.
1: That's pretty good. I don't Donkey know.
0: Kong's frantic screams could be used for so many things, because that guy panics, man. I got nothing
1: for you, bud. <laughs> anyway, the Sorry. correct answer
0: is to make it Music Park, is what I'm getting at. Sorry, it's... Nick Juskevich. There you go. You got his name right. Anyway, let's we'll have a nice sweaty Cody Anderson there mm. with us. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for our podcast this week.
1: Thank God. We've done it again. Heroes.